Hey guys, welcome to the Player's Perspective Uncensored with Larry O'Bannon. Today's not going to be one of my typical episodes. We don't have any guests on today. We don't have any bourbon selection of the day. It's just me and just voicing my thoughts and just coming and just talking to you guys just to sort of release things that are on my mind. Um, just dealing with the shock and the devastation of the news from the nine people that lost their lives the morning of January 26th in a helicopter crash in the hillside of Calabasas, California, heading to a basketball game. John, Carrie, Alyssa, Adobelli, Sarah, Peyton, Chester, Christina Mauser, Arizobayan, Kobe, and Gigi, all taken from us too soon. And we just like to take this time to send our deepest and most sincere condolences to the family and friends of the victims that lost their loved ones in this tragic accident. And so I went back and forth about whether I should even do this honorary episode of the victims and Kobe or whatnot. And, you know, everybody's mourning. I'm mourning. I actually shed some tears like I lost a family member. And initially I wasn't going to do it, but something just kept nagging at me about it. I just, I wanted to let it pass. I wanted to try to get myself together because, you know, my emotions were running high and they still are. And I just said, I was going to let it be, you know, I was going through so many ranges of emotions in a short time, you know, first you're devastated, then you're sad, you know, then you get angry. Then you try to find reasons to smile and to celebrate and be joyful. And then that just creates more sadness all over again. The first few days when I heard the news, I couldn't even talk. I couldn't even get words out of my mouth to even bring up the topic. You know, every time I would think about bringing it up, I would get glassy eyed. You know, you got husbands and wives that have to live knowing their significant other and children aren't coming back. You have a baseball team that has to move on and play without their coach. A little girls team that has to move on playing knowing their coach and teammates aren't coming back. But I couldn't not just say anything. You know, it was just something that was on my heart. So I thought maybe, you know what, if I just opened the mic and, you know, I just started talking, then maybe it just turned into a therapeutic session for me. And I could just, you know, just get all of this off my chest and just get all of this emotion out and just get all of my feelings out and just put them up in the air. Because, you know, a lot of us just been pent up for these past few days. And you know, I just wanted to get everything out in the air and just get it out in the open. And also just to celebrate and have some nostalgic moments about Kobe and to smile and appreciate, you know, who he was, not only as a basketball player, but who he was as a person to us all. You know, the funny part about it is like I wasn't even really a Kobe fan in the beginning. You know, I remember him coming out of high school and declaring for the draft and he took Moesha to prom. Moesha is a sitcom character that the R&B singer Brandy played on the TV show in the 90s. You know, he's the first person I seen really get ESPN coverage about coming out of the draft. You know, I remember on stage making his announcement. He has his sunglasses on. He was sitting on stage. He was just grinning ear to ear. And I was like, wow, because I had never really seen that before. And I thought that was pretty cool. But Kobe was bold. He was boisterous about what he wanted, about what he wanted to accomplish. And he was unapologetic about it as well. And he wasn't going to back down from anything that he said or anything that he said that he wanted to accomplish. i tell you when I really became a fan of Kobe. And I really became a fan when I watched the documentary Kobe doing work with Spike Lee. And I wanted to watch it because I wasn't 
really a fan of Kobe, like I said, and I wanted to give myself an opportunity to try to see another side of Kobe that I possibly didn't know because I always seen him, you know, his demeanor on the court, his demeanor towards his teammates and some of the things that he would say in the media. So I just wanted to check out this ESPN special. I think it had nine parts and just listen and see if I could pick up something just you know, maybe for myself or maybe something I could pick up on the basketball side of things. Or maybe it's a, an addition that I could add to my mental or physical repertoire when it comes to the game of basketball. So listening to Kobe open up and talking about moving around during his youth and not being able to keep friends from always living in different cities or countries with his dad playing professional basketball. I get it. I understand. You know, he said it made him feel isolated. He felt like basketball was his only friend. He seemed so cold-hearted, and I couldn't understand how he would treat his teammates like that, especially when he was younger with the Lakers. But he talked about how he had to mature and learn to become a better teammate to his peers. He talked about how his drive to always be the hardest worker in the room. And he just allowed a different side of his personality to show. He really came off humble and genuine. And after watching this documentary and watching all of these things that he talked about and that he went through, it really kind of warmed me over at the moment. And after that, I became a fan of Kobe Bryant. So early on, I remember I used to argue with people back in the early 2000s about who was the better basketball player, T-Mac or Kobe. You know, T-Mac was in Orlando. He had just came from Toronto. He had separated from Vince Carter. He was leading the league in scoring and Kobe was teamed up with Shaq and they were about to turn the championship corner with the Lakers. And I was like, man, I'm rolling with T-Mac. You know, that's, that's my guy. You know, he was bigger. He was taller. He was, you know, more athletic. I think he had a little better outside jump shot. And it wasn't that I didn't think Kobe was great. I knew Kobe was great. You know, it wasn't that I didn't recognize his game, but I just thought when comparing those two players, I thought T-Mac was better. And I just felt like Kobe was like the scoring Robin to the dominant force of Shaq being Batman. But they went on to three-peat, three-time champions, become one of the best dynamic duos ever in NBA history, probably the best small-big combo the game has ever seen. And so when Shaq left the Lakers to go to Miami and he went to play with D-Wade and so – now it was time for Kobe to do his own thing. He had his own team. He had his own spotlight. He was able to do some amazing things. Although his team wasn't winning like I'm sure he wanted to, he put up some amazing performances. He had 81 on Toronto, had 62 and three quarters versus the Mavs. And at the end of the third quarter in that game, Kobe had outscored the entire Mavs team by himself. Kobe had 62 the entire Mavs team has 61. And so I'm not sure you're going to see too many more performances like that. I mean, James Harden has come close a few times. Devin Booker came close with his 70-point uh, game in Boston, but not too many going to be close to that 81 that's being put up. He had a four-game streak of 50-plus points, and in two of those games, he had 60 points or more. And I remember vividly where I was when Kobe scored 81. I was in the middle of my rookie season playing ball overseas. I was playing for a big club called Sarvena Zvezda. Uh, that's translated into Red Star from Serbian. I was in Belgrade, Serbia. I actually missed the game because I was too tired to stay up and watch because 
there's a nine hour difference between where I was at in Belgrade and Los Angeles. And so the games typically came on at 4.30 in the morning. And if it was a good game, I would stay up sometimes if I didn't have a morning practice or if I just wanted to just chalk it up and knew I wasn't going to be that much in the morning practice, I would stay up and watch it. But if it wasn't much of a game or if it wasn't any good competition going on, then I would just catch the highlights the next day and I wasn't going to lose any sleep. So when I saw they were playing Toronto, you know, I was going to bed. I wasn't going to watch that game. I just figured I'd catch it the next day because I had practice the next morning. So the next morning rolls around and I'm at practice and I'm there, I'm there getting early uh, shots up, doing some ball handling, getting ready for practice. And my teammate walks in and he said, did you see Kobe's 81 last night, mate? And I was like, huh? And it's funny because I always like to make fun of him because he's from Australia. And I said, what? He said, you heard me right. He said, Kobe scored 81. I was like, you gotta be kidding me, man. I just stood there. I said, 81. He said, 81, man. And so my next question was, did they win? He said, and they won. I was like, wow. So I couldn't wait to get home and see the highlights for myself. And when I got home and confirmed it, that he did score 81. And it was just amazing to watch those highlights and watch what he did, man. And from an athletic standpoint, man, the endurance and the mental toughness that it takes to score 81, to have that stamina, to be able to play both ends because you know Kobe was the competitor on both sides of the ball and you know he didn't make every shot. Uh, it was just amazing just to have that type of motor to be able to put up those points and still make uh, that amount of shots in that game. And so um, I actually got a chance to go and watch Kobe play in person. It was in the 2010 NBA Finals, Lakers versus Celtics. It was a rematch from the 2008 Finals. It was game five, it was in Boston. Kobe was doing typical Kobe things, shooting fadeaways, making tough shots. But Boston made it tough on him, though. You know, they had a lot of Hall of Famers on their team. They were playing great defense on the Dark Rivers. And, you know, they lost that game. They lost game five in Boston. But eventually, they went back to L.A. for the final two home games. And they won the two games at home and won the series. And that was Kobe's second of his back-to-back -back championships without Shaq. And so, finally... Kobe had accomplished what he wanted all along. He had become his own Batman. He had took his own spotlight and he shined it and, and he proved that he can win two championships without Shaq. And I was really trying to think of a way to describe Kobe and, and really be accurate with the description. And the first thing I thought of was a book that I read. It was called The Lone Survivor. And part of it was describing some of the rigorous training and testing that's required to become a Navy SEAL. And what I took from the book is that the Navy SEALs are looking for people that are willing to go beyond giving their all for a greater cause, even if it meant to the point of almost killing themselves in order to achieve the highest prize of becoming a Navy SEAL. And so that really resonated with me. And I thought that was sort of parallel when it came to Kobe Bryant and his approach to things. You know, he was a person that was willing to go beyond giving it his all and would be willing to sacrifice anything to win and to be considered one of the greatest players of all time. Here's a guy that tore his Achilles during a game, goes out of the game only for a few minutes to walk back in under his own willpower with no assistance a few minutes later to shoot free throws on a torn Achilles. Call him crazy, call him super willed, but that's what set him apart and that's what made him 
a special and made him the player and the person that he was. I mean, when you look at Kobe's influence all over the world, it wasn't just in basketball. It wasn't just in sports. It was for everyday people that did everyday things other than athletics. He always preached about the mama mentality. And what was the mama mentality? It was a mentality that was about the pursuit of perfection in whatever it is that you're doing. Perfect your craft, whether you're a painter, whether you're a writer, whether you're an electrician, whether you're a rapper, whether you're a singer, or whether you're an athlete, always striving for more and doing it with a passion and doing it to the best of your abilities. And even when you think you're doing it to the best of your abilities, do it even more. Do it even better. Be fearless. And stop worrying about what everybody else is thinking. When you're worrying about what everybody else is thinking, that's distracting you and that's taking you off of your focus on the task that you need to be focused on at hand. And that's just the way he went about everything. Full throttle, relentless pursuit, and to outwork everybody. And I mean everybody. He was the ultimate competitor, the ultimate workhorse. And I just think that's what made his legacy so great when he influenced other people. You look around the world, you look at world soccer stars paying homage to Kobe after scoring goals. You look at Neymar, you look at Cristiano Ronaldo, these guys putting up 2-4 with their fingers after scoring a goal. You look at NFL players scoring touchdown and paying homage to Kobe with their end zone celebration, shooting fadeaway jump shots. And majority of the guys in the NBA grew up watching and idolizing Kobe their whole lives. Young boys and girls working on their moves with paper wide balls or no ball at all doing imitation turnaround fadeaway jump shots yelling Kobe and that's not even the best part of it to me the best part of the Mamba mentality mantra was his effect on people who were ill or possibly terminally ill and a lot of times when Kobe did these things he didn't even want any PR he didn't want any notoriety it was just something that he did on his own it was an inspiration that these people could fight and overcome anything it was inconceivable to give up or to give in no matter what the outcome looked like you know, and that's what it's about. And that's the effect that he had on the world. I can remember when Kobe said he didn't want to be around the game anymore when he retired. And my first thought was like, man, it's, it's going to be different. You know, the game has always been about Kobe when even when he wasn't playing, you know, he was just the NBA. Kobe was the NBA. And so the game was going to miss him. So it was good to see him when he started popping back up at games with his daughter, Gigi. You would see the show detail where Kobe was going over film with uh, superstars and you know how they were playing in the playoffs and things that they could have done better and breaking down film for the fans that were watching the games. And so it was good to have him back around. Just the ambience of basketball was just a lot better. And it was also good to see him being a family man, being a proud girl dad, his wonderful daughter Gigi inheriting his passion for the game of basketball. Kobe just becoming a strong advocate for the women's game just in general. He was just good at everything that he touched, and he was just good for basketball as a whole. And it's an honor for me to pay tribute to a guy that not only inspired me to work on countless moves, including the one dribble pull-up with multiple head fakes, but just pushing myself to be better at any and everything that I do, making sure that I give it my all, making sure that I put all of myself into it, and he was a guy that said after 20 years of giving basketball everything he had, he didn't want to look back. He didn't want to look in the rearview mirror. He was at peace with it. And that really resonated with me because it helped me find peace in my retirement, knowing that I had given everything that I had to basketball for 36 years. And I was okay with it. I was ready to move on to something else. 
I didn't want to look in the rearview mirror with any regrets and I have no regrets. And I loved everything that I did with my basketball career. And if I could go back, I really wouldn't change anything. And so I think it would really be classy of the NBA to retire his number in all of the arenas. You know, that's just my humble opinion. But I think it's just a great way of us paying homage to one of the great ambassadors of the game that was taken from us so abruptly. And sports has a unique way of bringing everyone together in a time where it seems like our country is divided and to lose one of the iconic figures, it's sort of like getting the wind knocked out of you. But at the same time, it unifies everybody. And I wish that it didn't take something of this nature to really unify everyone with compassion. But, you know, sometimes that's what it is. I just sort of wish that it wasn't Kobe Bryant and not that I wish that it was anybody else. But, you know, you just take such an iconic figure, man, and it just seemed like it leaves a hole in everything. But all in all, you have to live for the moment. Tell your loved ones you love them, give them hugs, give them kisses, show them a lot of affection, as much affection as you can. Don't take anyone or don't take anything for granted. Any beefs, any grudges that you have with somebody or that you're holding on to, let it go. It's wasted energy. You're harboring on the bad energy that could be used for something else positive in your life and in somebody else's life. Laugh, smile, love each day. Any problems can be worked out. And, you know, that's my message to you. So thank you, Kobe Bryant, for letting us see your imperfections. Thank you for letting us see your growth, your will to accomplish anything, your failures, your shortcomings, your redemptions, and your triumphs. And just being somebody that the next generation can look up to and aspire to be like. And may we all continue to lift the families of the victims in prayer. Thank you for listening. Episode 8 of The Player's Perspective Uncensored with Larry O'Bannon belongs to you, Kobe Bean Bryant. Rest easy, Black Mamba.